This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 65. Drew of Drew. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur and you are listening to the before the millions podcast hey this is mark asquith the host of the seven minute mentor podcast global entrepreneur and all-round geek and you are listening to the before the millions podcast i am mc lobster the cash flow ninja and you're listening to before the millions podcast you're listening to the before the millions podcast but whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. Hey, what's up? What's going on, BTM Tribe? Back for another installment, guys. We're back for another episode of the Before the Millions podcast. And hope you are having an amazing day. I am having an amazing day. I'm actually recording this episode about 30 minutes after it's supposed to release. 30 minutes after it's supposed to release. Why? Well, I mean, I don't have a particular reason this week. I just know that I didn't feel like it. And as much as I know I produce these episodes every single week, and they come out every single Tuesday morning, and a lot of you guys look forward to them. I look forward to them. And I know that if I don't produce these episodes or get them out in time, some people will be wondering, hey, DeRay, what happened to this week's episode? Thank you to all of you who do that, by the way. So when I say I didn't feel like it, that also brought me a feeling of like, man, I'm letting a lot of people down. Now, not feeling like it is not very rational. You know, I made a commitment this year that I was going to start working out for five days a week for the rest of my life. And there are some weeks in which I don't feel like doing that. And it's perfectly normal to sometimes not feel like doing something that you love. You're not 100% of the time. You guys know I love talking to you guys. You guys know I love podcasting. And it's one of those things to where 99% of the time, I'm fired up, ready to go, firing at all cylinders. There's that 1%, there's that 2% of the time where I'm human and I just don't feel like it. And although rationally, it sounds like, well, this is the right thing to do or this is what I'm supposed to do or this is what I signed up for. The crock brain, the irrational mind, the mind based off emotion says, I don't feel like it. And it doesn't matter how much the rational mind, the intelligent mind knows something to be true, knows something to be beneficial, such as working out, such as putting out this podcast episode, such as investing in real estate. doesn't matter how much the rational mind knows that this is what you're supposed to be doing. Because when push comes to shove, the irrational mind, the crock brain, the emotional brain is always going to win. So if you have limiting beliefs about your ability to invest in real estate, if you have limiting beliefs about your worthiness for wealth and prosperity, if you have limiting beliefs surrounding your freedom and what is possible in your life, start thinking about the emotions that you carry along with that limiting belief. As a type A, high SC on the disc chart, I'm supposed to be super analytical, which I am. 
And I'm telling you guys this because it doesn't matter how analytical or how type A a lot of you guys think you are, you're still going to operate at the end of the day from the crock brain. So we have to reframe our emotions, especially when it comes to building wealth for ourselves and our families. We have to reframe our limiting beliefs, our thought patterns. And when we're able to do that, we're able to align our crock brain, our emotional brain with our intelligent brain. And that's when we get results. That's when we get massive results quickly, guys. So what don't you feel like doing that you should be doing? Reframe the reason why you're not doing it and think about the benefits of doing it. And think of yourself already having done it. On this episode, guys, we're speaking to Mr. AJ Wilcox, a longtime digital marketer. And AJ is going to teach us all things LinkedIn, LinkedIn ads, more specifically, how to promote your real estate investing business on LinkedIn, tips on growing your thought leadership platform on LinkedIn. You'll learn how to use LinkedIn not only as a real estate investor, but as an entrepreneur. We'll talk about some bad recommendations that other LinkedIn experts make that are not effective. And we're going to break down an acronym called AMO the audience, the message, and the offer. So guys, tune in. It's going to be an amazing show. Uh, But first, guys, let's get to the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. Okay, so video content is literally taking over. Well, maybe it's been taken over, but we as the Before the Millions team, we're finally getting on board. And I could actually kind of say maybe we've been on board and we've had video content in our passive lifestyle cash flow group. And it's been great. So if you guys haven't checked that out, check that out. But we have video content in there, but we want to actually bring video content to the masses. So here's what we're thinking. We've just created a Before the Millions Instagram. You can find us at Before the Millions TV. That's Before The Millions TV. That's our brand new Instagram page. And what we're going to have featured on that page is we're going to have tips of the week. We're going to have motivational tips. We're going to have uh, me and a few of the Before The Millions guests going back and forth, giving real estate advice, tips, tricks, strategies, you name it. We're going to have giveaways. We're going to have contests. We're going to have Q&As. It's just going to be amazing, guys. So literally, go follow us now, Before The Millions TV. This is our brand new Instagram page. And guys, I'm going to show you guys some of the lifestyle design aspect of things. So some of my travels. I mean, guys, I have so many trips planned for the rest of 2018 and 2019. Guys, I'm going to show you guys the lifestyle design aspect of things. I want you guys to start planning out your lifestyle, planning out your next vacations, and literally, literally use real estate as the time wealth tool that it should be. And later on this year, we'll also come out with the YouTube channel. So uh, stay tuned for that. But for right now, right now, guys, the Instagram page is officially live. Click follow before the millions. TV. That's before the millions TV. Now, here's something that we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. If you guys leave an iTunes review or any other type of review on your podcasting app, all you have to do is put your Instagram name somewhere in that review. And we are going to not only post your review on our Instagram, but we're also going to give you a shout out. So follow the before the millions Instagram page at before the millions TV. Second, leave us an iTunes review or any other podcast app review, and be sure to include your Instagram name in the review so that we can post your review for the world to see and also give you a shout out. We're going to really, really start focusing on some video content in the month of August and also the month of September and also the month of October, basically from here on out. So, and I'll let you guys know when we drop the YouTube channel, but we're going to focus on the Instagram page first and try to provide as much value as we can via that page. And when I say we, I'm talking about specifically my social manager. She handles all things social media from our passive lifestyle Facebook group to our newsletter 
to our now new Instagram page at Before the Millions TV, to our YouTube channel that we haven't created yet, and so much more. But yeah, she'll be handling that page, but I'll be on there every day as well. And I'll be looking out for you guys. So follow our page at Before the Millions TV. Now, without any further ado, let's get to AJ. And now your feature presentation. AJ, how's it going? Oh, doing so great this morning. I'm glad this is our round two because I liked <laughs> round one so much. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I mentioned that you are the LinkedIn guru. We're going to talk about all things LinkedIn. We're going to talk about how we can promote whether it's our real estate investing business, our thought leadership platform, or we're going to talk about how to utilize LinkedIn in the proper way as real estate investors and as entrepreneurs. But before that, AJ, you know we have to take it back. You know we have to go on the time machine. We have to get to know AJ before LinkedIn, before you've become this marketing genius. We want to take it back to maybe your earlier days. Let's talk about college. Let's talk about your mindset during those years and how you began to forge this entrepreneurial journey. Well, I've always really loved entrepreneurship. You know, as a kid, I would, you know, sell magazines for the school and, you know, paint people's address numbers on curbs, <laughs> did lemonade stands and lawn mowing businesses. I really loved it. But I grew up really conservative, really financially conservative. My dad has been a banker for the last 30 years. And so in college, I would go to all these entrepreneurship meetups that were here locally, and I would just bask in the energy that all these entrepreneurs just had this purpose and this energy that just got me so excited. And then anytime that one of them asked me like, oh, so what are you starting? I'd be like, oh, no, I just don't have the guts. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward, I've been doing digital marketing for about the last 11 years. And about six years ago, I got recruited into a, a highly funded VC, like a VC funded tech startup here in the state of Utah. And on my very first day, I walked into the CMO and I, I laid out my plans for all the different kinds of marketing I was going to do. And I remember her saying, okay, all that sounds great. Go ahead and execute on it. But just so you know, we started a pilot using LinkedIn ads. So, you know, see what you can do. And I saluted her and said, yes, ma'am, absolutely. And I walked out of her office and went, what is LinkedIn ads? Oh, no, I'm in over my head. <laughs> so I, I didn't want to look stupid to my new boss. Uh, so I went and jumped into the platform and started trying to, to work with it. And within about two weeks, one of my sales guys came up to me and said, AJ, we don't know what you're doing over here, but we are fighting over your leads. Like whatever you can do, keep it up. And so I went and looked at Salesforce at the time at the, the deals that this guy was dispositioning and all of them that he was talking about were sourced from LinkedIn ads. And that was not the only marketing channel I was running. So I started thinking, okay, maybe there's something to this. And I kept investing, kept investing uh, until that was the main source of leads for the company. And we, we grew it or I grew it to become the largest uh, LinkedIn ads account in the world. And uh, we can go further into this, but after about two and a half years of running that account, I got laid off. And that was when it became a time of, okay, what do I do next? Wow. You grew this ad platform. Is it largest by, by ad spend or how is it the largest? So we were LinkedIn's largest customer and it was by, by the amount we were spending as well as the size of the account, just to the sheer number of campaigns we were using. When you look back on that experience and what you've been able to do with little to no experience before that. And, you know, this was kind of your, your first foray into LinkedIn ads and you were doing it primarily because that's what the company started focusing on. And for you to take that bull by the horns and grow that to be the largest, I mean, 
you should have had some clout there. So what happened between, you know, you growing that platform to that company laying you off? And why do you think that was? And maybe take, I want the listeners to be able to pull out, you know, maybe maybe some nuggets from from your experiences and maybe your, you know, what, what seems to be a failure at the time, but has actually propelled your career forward. So what do you think was a catalyst for that moment? And then we'll talk about how you were able to overcome it. Oh, yeah. Well, the answer they gave me when they were laying me off uh, was not accurate. So I don't actually know why I got laid off for sure. But I'll I'll tell you, I'm sure there were some elements of personality in there. I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. But anyway, my boss probably didn't think that. (laughs) So but what was so exciting to me was, you know, this channel that I didn't know anything about before grew it to become the, the largest. It was it was just a real mainstay for the company. And as I was searching for things like, you know, you Google, hey, how do you do this with LinkedIn ads? How do you do that? There was no one out there publishing or writing or teaching or speaking on it. And so I always had that kind of the entrepreneurial itch in the back of my mind saying, hey, maybe that could be you. And so when it finally happened, when I got laid off and you know, I had a, a wife at home with three kids and one on the way and uh, nothing's harder than having to go home and tell them that daddy doesn't have a job anymore. <laughs> but aside from that, like when everything you know, started shaking out, it became by far the best opportunity in my life. So I'm so glad I did it, even though I'm a risk averse, uh, didn't ever think I would be an entrepreneur. I love that. So AJ, how did that apparent failure set you up for later success? What was next? How did you start cultivating your path? Well, you know, as a marketer, it's pretty easy. It just promotion comes naturally to me. So I started telling myself, okay, when I go to start this business, how do I do it? And I don't know anything about, or I didn't know anything about running a business at the time. I didn't know anything about hiring or that kind of stuff. But the promotion, the personal branding, all of that came really naturally to me. So I'm really glad that that's the business I've been in because starting a business where you just don't understand all of those things, like, like finance. One of the first things I did was hire a good accountant and I'm so glad because it saved me so much money and I just, I'm not capable of thinking through it. My time is so much better spent uh, at doing the promotion and the marketing side where I'm, I'm good. That totally makes sense. So, you know, you had a family to take care of during your time of need and you figured the best thing to do, you know, you have two paths. You can actually go maybe find a similar, a similar occupation so that perhaps you have that stability, you know, quote unquote, or you can become entrepreneurial and you can kind of do what you did, which is build that team. How did you know that that was the right path for you? <laughs> Good question. Uh, so my wife and I are were big savers. By the time I let go, we had you know about eleven months of runway in our savings account that we could we could work on. So you know, we were doing a good job, I think, of, of preparing for this kind of case, just in case it ever happened. But my wife, being very conservative as well, said, hey, I, I'd like you to go out and find another job. And I was kind of like, well, I've got this idea for a consultancy that only does, or, or an agency that only does LinkedIn ads. And she's like, okay, I'd still feel better if you got a job offer. So I went out and interviewed at several companies just during that first month. I ended up with four job offers and two of them were for way more money than, uh, than I was making before. And that was pretty exciting. So I, I knew like worst case scenario, we're going to be okay, but we're pretty religious people and we prayed about it and not to 
to get religious on your podcast or anything, but uh, we felt very specifically in prayer to turn down all of those job opportunities. So finally, after turning down more money than I'd ever made before, I finally said in prayer, okay, well, how about this idea I've been thinking of, of the LinkedIn ads agency? And I got the answer, that's what you're supposed to do, pursue that. So I do consider myself an accidental entrepreneur because I wouldn't have done it on my own if I wouldn't have had a little bit of divine help getting me into it. What would you say was one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And this can be an investment of money. This can be an investment of time, or this can be an investment of energy. You know, I've been doing this business for about three and a half years now at the time of recording. And if I would have started out the business by saying, I need to make a dollar for every, every hour I put into this, I would have been probably out of business in the first little bit. I, I have this investment mindset that I've always had. So starting out, I knew, hey, if I go and do an interview here or go do a, you know, go write a guest blog post there, I'm probably not going to make any money off of that. But over time, those little investments of me being willing to give up my time for free right now in hopes that it will have a return later, that has served us incredibly well. We went from the point if you would have told me three years ago that in three years you'll be getting organic leads every single day and you won't have to run any ads because people will just be knocking down your door to work with you, I would have told you you were crazy. But that's uh, all of this investment of my time and, and attention and just being willing to share openly tips, tricks, strategies for LinkedIn ads to anyone who wants to listen. And so I would say that's the, the investment that's paid off the most. What bad recommendations do you hear in your profession, your area of expertise? What bad recommendations do you hear from fellow LinkedIn, whether they're bloggers, whether they're consultants, whether they're, you know, lead specialists, whether they're entrepreneurs? What bad advice have you heard over the years that you're just like, that's not true? <laughs> well, if you talk to any digital marketer, especially one who, who does things with ad platforms, every ad platform does this. So I'm not calling LinkedIn out specifically and like singling them out, uh, but LinkedIn gives a lot of really bad advice to their own customers. The way that these, the online ad platforms, the way that they function is around competition. And every time that your ad gets shown, there's a, an auction going on behind the scenes to determine who's going to show up and who's not and how much they're willing to pay. So without getting too technical here, uh, LinkedIn will tell you, you should always bid really high. And it turns out to be really bad advice. And every LinkedIn rep I've ever had has given the same advice. And the reason why is when a client comes to me and they have a $50 per day budget, if you bid high, I'll give you an idea, clicks on LinkedIn usually cost between about six and $9 per, and you can get them down into the 450, 550 kind of range. But if you follow LinkedIn's advice, you'll probably be paying more like nine, 10, $11 per click. And if you can imagine getting, you know, filling up your budget for the day and getting five clicks versus getting 10, I mean, your difference is either double the traffic for the same amount of money or half the cost per lead. So it's a big deal. And I highly recommend, especially on small budgets, don't take LinkedIn's advice and bid low. For sure. And it's funny because I recently had a job opening uh, for my company and I used LinkedIn to run ads 
I used Facebook to run ads. I used Craigslist, I believe, to run ads. And some of the other job posting sites, I think like Indeed.com and Monster and some of the other ones. And I was just, I just kind of went all across the board to find where uh, my ad spend would be most, most effective. So it was one position. So I didn't have to do a whole lot. But I realized that a lot of the things that you're saying are true. I realized that my ad spend on LinkedIn would be my the same ad spend on Facebook, but I would get far more leads on Facebook than LinkedIn. So I knew that there were some tweaks, there were some ways that I could have been more efficient, but I just didn't understand the LinkedIn platform whatsoever. What are some basic tips and advice you can give to you know, fellow entrepreneurs looking to use LinkedIn as a basis for hiring? So anytime you're approaching any type of social platform, I've got an acronym I want you to remember, and it's AMO. Uh, but only with one M, so A-M-O, and it stands for your audience, your message, and your offer. So here's the concept. Anytime you're advertising on social media, you need uh, your audience, so your targeting has to be right. And you have to know who you want to show your ads to. Your message is how that ad actually looks, and that's not usually a, too big of an issue. Uh, you can write a, a couple sentences and attach an image, not a big deal. But your offer is by far the most important thing for social. It's what can I show to people that's going to provide actual real value enough so that they're willing to, to stop what they're doing and pay attention to my brand. And so in the case of, of what you just shared, which is fantastic, it was a like a job, a job posting. It's a, you know, you look qualified. Would you be interested in, in chatting and having an interview? And that's a great offer. I mean, people everyone's interested to know what they're worth in the marketplace and what new opportunities there are out there. But in uh, things outside of having a really attractive offer like that, you can't just put up an ad that says, here, talk to our high pressure sales rep and we want to sell you something. No one will click on that ad, but they might, if you said, Hey, download this free ebook of the five ways that we're going to solve your biggest pain point or that you can solve it, that kind of thing. So what we'll call lead magnets or offers just, Keep in mind, you have the most attractive thing you can give them, and you make sure that the targeting works. Now, LinkedIn has by far the best targeting in the world, and that's why they can charge six to nine bucks per click. But what that means is you've got to make sure that you have a large enough deal size or that conversion is worth more to you because you're paying so much more at the beginning. So if you can use Facebook ads uh, and the you can make the targeting work. It doesn't usually work well for B2B, but if you can make it work at huge discounts on, on your clicks, great. But LinkedIn's where you want to go if you absolutely need the targeting to match up. I love that. So let's talk a little bit more about what LinkedIn is actually useful for. Now, of course, we know that LinkedIn is useful for job postings, but let's say there are real estate entrepreneurs out there that are maybe looking to grow their audience, that are maybe looking to attract more people to maybe their local meetups, that are looking to find clients for their consulting programs, or maybe uh, find investors for their real estate deals. Would you suggest that LinkedIn is also a viable platform for some of these other things? And if so, how do we position ourselves to get the most out of LinkedIn? Yes, some of them. So here's how I think of LinkedIn. Because you're paying six to nine bucks a click and you're not getting like Google AdWords and, and SEO and Bing ads will get you traffic that they're searching for you. They're actively looking to do business with you. Uh, and so they're, they're further down in the sales process. But LinkedIn is going to cost a lot per click and they're, they're not as far along. Like you've got to 
offer them something like an ebook or a free webinar to get them to kind of come down the, the process a little bit. So because of that, I tell people LinkedIn ads makes a ton of sense if you're going to make $15,000 or more from a deal or you know, really anything that's a high lifetime value is probably going to be a good fit. It's probably not going to be good to getting someone to your local meetup. It's probably not going to be good to get people to like your page or follow your company just because that's really high costs for those types of things. But getting someone to a free in-person event, absolutely. Uh, getting someone onto a webinar or, uh, or to download your content and start a conversation with them that will eventually turn into a, a $15,000 or more deal, absolutely it makes sense. I love it. So you mentioned getting somebody to, you know, sign up for your webinar and things of that nature. So in your experience, do you think that short form text, like in the post with no pictures or maybe long form text, but like a long story that kind of has a, I guess, a link at the end? Or do you think that a picture or a video, what is you, what have you seen most effective as far as getting clicks to whatever it is that your offer is? Great question. So we're going to kind of transfer the conversation away from the advertising side of LinkedIn and more to what I call the organic side of the platform because the ads are pretty much cut and dry. Like you, you get an image and of course you're going to put the image on there and you're paying for that exposure. So LinkedIn's going to give it to you. But on the organic side, things like, you know, Duray, you and I may be connected to several thousand people each on LinkedIn. And that's a lot of people to be able to share our content and have it show up in their feeds and be able to st stay top of mind with them. And then I'll share a little secret with you. LinkedIn is by far the easiest network to go viral on. The reason why is right now Facebook is you know, taking more and more active measures to suppress your posts as a company when you post something fewer and few, fewer people see it. Whereas on LinkedIn, anytime someone hits like or comment or share on your post, it goes outside of your own network and it goes to that person's network. So really easy to, to, I mean, regularly I'll share something. I think I'm connected to 2,600 people. Regularly I share content and it gets 5,000, 10,000 different views. And that's because it's going outside of my own network. So that's pretty cool. And then the other kind of part of this question is what do you actually put in the, in the post text to share? So I don't know what these actual numbers are, but I'll kind of use a, a an approximation here. If you share something that is text only, just a, you're writing a story, I'm sure you've seen lots of these on LinkedIn, especially recently, that post should be eligible to be, to be seen immediately by 100% of your, your connection audience because it, it doesn't take up much room in the feed. It's usually pretty engaging if you have a good story. And so LinkedIn wants to show this to everyone. As soon as you put a picture in there, it decreases reach a little bit. You might be qualified to show... Uh, immediately show to we'll call it 80 to 95% of your audience. And the reason why is it just, it takes up a little bit more room in the feed. So there's a little bit of an opportunity cost to LinkedIn there and LinkedIn video is probably the same way. But the second you put a link to something, uh, all of a sudden LinkedIn starts suppressing because they make money when someone stays on the site. And if you put a link to something off of the site, you're taking traffic away. So LinkedIn suppresses it. So the second you share something with a link, it might be eligible to be shown to, we'll call it five to 15% of your audience. And so a lot of people have taken, taken steps to, okay, how do I put a link in the comments or how do I uh, describe where something is without actually putting a link? Cause I, I want LinkedIn to keep showing it to my connections. Mm, 
That is super, super valuable information, AJ. And it's funny because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Facebook is almost the opposite, not as far as links go, but as far as pictures and videos go. You know, they want more video. They're moving towards, you know, the more video, the better. They're going to give you more exposure for things that are video, things that are pictures, as opposed to just text. Whereas LinkedIn, it sounds like it's the exact opposite because of the amount of space it's taking on the screen. Is that correct? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. The posts that I've seen do the very best on Facebook, both from an organic standpoint and from an ads perspective, is these really long posts. You know, you have maybe 500 or 1,000 characters in a post. You're telling a story plus a big, beautiful image. And Facebook tends to like those, whereas you're right. I think LinkedIn uh, is incentivizing going exactly the opposite. That's lovely. So do you think that when we, when we kind of get to the strategy section, do you think that we can kind of expand on how to position yourself to be more, more organic and get more shares and get more likes and get more views and what works best? Uh, do you think that's something we can expand on here in the next few minutes? Absolutely. I, I think okay. the biggest thing is that when you go to share your content, uh, give someone a reason to hit like or comment. Just in business, you'll get friends and fans, uh, people who they'll do anything for you to support you and, and you know, you'll do the same for them. So when you share something, it's really often that you know, your friends are going to hit like and comment just to support you. But then you have all this additional network that if you can put the incentive on, on there for them to, to interact with it, uh, it'll perform so much better. So I'll give you an example. I had an interior decorator who put a, a post up there and she said, we're putting in a new kitchen in this remodel I'm doing. What kitchen experience do you like better? And then she shared one picture, but it was kind of split in the middle and had kind of more of a, an industrial kitchen on the left and more of like a, a quaint, cozy kitchen on the right. And she labeled them A and B. And that image probably took her three minutes to put together in Canva. It wasn't a big deal. But you had all these people in the comments saying, A, B, B, A. And as they're sharing, it's then going out to, to outside of her own network. So now, of course, all of her friends feel like they're involved because they're voting on, on their own tastes. But now people have been exposed to this woman and her design services that would have never had an opportunity to do that otherwise. I love that. And I think that's a valuable point. When I was changing the podcast artwork, for this podcast, actually, in January, that's when I received the most engagement because I decided that I needed to reach out to the audience, to reach out to my listeners, to reach out to the followers, to reach out to everybody who's a friend on my social media. And I was just, I was just kind of like, hey, A, B, or C, which podcast cover is the best? And that provided so much organic traffic that, I mean, everybody was involved. They were giving their ideas, their tips. And it was just like, wow, this is really engaging. So I definitely agree that when you can maybe set up a poll or ask a, a question that, you know, people could answer, you know, left or right, A or B, I think that that's one of the best ways to kind of get us uh, get more reach and get more shares. But uh, we'll, we'll cover that here in a little bit. AJ, let's get back into your story. Let's let's talk about the first year of business. And, you know, as you reflect on that first year, and I'm sure you've had lots of ups and downs, and it's one of those things to where the first year is always the hardest. And if you can get past that first year, if you can get over the hump, then you're not scot-free, but you you have the confidence and you have the experience to kind of know how to, how to forge forward. So let's talk about, you know, reflecting on that first year. What would you tell first year AJ in business that, that you know now? How would you be able to, you know, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Well, we knew we had about 11 months of, of runway financially to make the business work. And so me and my wife sat down and I had this concern. I was like, I'm a specialist on this platform that no one appears to care about, but I'm just seeing a ton of success at, at this other company. So, you know, there's probably a market. 
I'm not confident that there's enough of a market there to actually support our family on, but I'm willing to give it a shot. So it turned out quite well, but that first year was really daunting for us because we just, we didn't know if, if the market was there to actually support a family on. If I could go back and kind of tell first year AJ, it's a, don't worry, there is a market for this. Just keep investing your time. Uh, it'll be worthwhile. That first, it took us five months to get to the point where we were, we had recouped the salary, the, the monthly income from the previous job as a company. And so it was at the five month mark where I kind of breathed a sigh of relief and wiped the, the perspiration off my forehead saying, okay, that, there actually is a business here. We, we can make this work. And I feel like if I would have started without a specialty, if I would have just been just another SEO agency or just another Facebook ads uh, specialist, it probably would have taken a lot longer to get to five months. So I'm a big fan of the riches are in the niches and I'll tell first year AJ, don't be distracted by anything else. Just keep going with the vision of LinkedIn ads only just because it's, it's what makes you unique. When you feel overwhelmed or maybe unfocused, or maybe you've, you've lost focus temporarily. What do you do? What do you, how do you get yourself back in alignment? Maybe what questions do you ask yourself? Ooh, I wish I had a good answer for you on this one because hey, times where I get unfocused, it's really hard to snap myself back and I kind of have to force myself to take a break. One thing I've been able to do to kind of fend that off and, and not that it doesn't encourage burnout over time, but it, it helps me stay in the moment is, you know, I used to spend a lot of time planning out my calendar for the day and it was really difficult because it's, it's a, kind of a mundane task that kind of eats away at my brain. And eventually I, I got a calendar service called Calendly. I've got nothing specific about Calendly. I, I know there are a ton of these different calendar apps, but what I started doing was anytime someone wanted to meet with me, chat with me, get a consultation, get a training, I would just pass them the link directly to book on my calendar. And what that means is now every morning when I come into work, my schedule is already set and all I have to do is show up and do what my calendar tells me to do. And there's none of this back and forth and, oh, I'm double booked because I gave the same time to two different people. And they, they both came back and said they wanted that time. So that's kind of how I've done it. I just get the thought and decision making off of my plate to bring in the action. And I have fought burnout, but at least when I show up to work, like the stuff is getting done because it's on my calendar. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And that's something I do as well. And I recommend to any and everybody, uh, one, of my, one of my good friends, she's a, she's a makeup artist and she's like, always overwhelmed with, you know, the exchanges of text messages back and forth for her appointments and overbooking and double booking and not booking enough. And it was just like one of those things to where I'm just like, you know, a simple tool, a simple tool like Calendly, I, I use Calendly, Calendly and I use Schedule once, but a simple tool can literally take away all the stress, can provide you with so much time back and can have you just showing up to appointments, secure-free, just knowing that these are already lined up for you. And, you know, it's one of those things to where we haven't got to the section on, on what's your favorite lifestyle design app, but I mean, that's one of my favorites, just knowing that you're able to kind of offload that to, to an app that just kind of does all that for you. So listeners, definitely take advantage and take heed to, uh, to apps like this that are going to uh, really make you more a more efficient person so that you can actually be more effective. So AJ, let's progress down your path a little bit further. And I know you've worked with many entrepreneurs, you've worked with many clients, and you've been able to build this business now. It's been three and a half years, and you may or may not have achieved your ultimate lifestyle design dream. And you know, uh, we talked about what you did over this weekend. So I maybe want to want to talk about that with the listeners and talk about what you're able to do now that you're an entrepreneur, that you control your schedule, as opposed to what you were doing uh, when, you were, when you were a professional. 
I mean, again, we talked about this weekend and maybe share with the listeners really quick how your weekend went. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Well, I, I started out on Saturday by running a half marathon. It's, I've been running this same marathon for 11 years now, ever since they, they started it. So I, I look forward to this every year. And then that night went to a concert. I really love pop punk, a style of music that I listened to back in high school. I went to one of those concerts that night and uh, standing around for four hours, listening to three opening bands and then the main act uh, after having run a marathon, my legs were pretty tired. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I want to highlight this because, I mean, I feel like you've created that lifestyle balance that a lot of us look for. You've created that lifestyle design. You haven't entered the weekend, which I used to view when I was in, in corporate America as my most precious time to catch up on sleep, to maybe binge watch my favorite Netflix show, and to just like recuperate from like five, maybe even six days of like rigorous work. And I believe that, you know, now you're in a position to control your schedule. You're able to have more of that free time. You're able to not feel so guilty on the weekends to enjoy yourself and maybe, you know, do things with your, with your friends and your family. So what have you seen besides what you've done this weekend? What have you seen that, you know, your entrepreneurial journey has been able to build as far as your lifestyle design goals? What have you seen it be able to do for you as, as opposed to what you were able to do before as an employee? I think you hit it right on the head with the designing your own schedule because back in corporate world, I mean, it's not like I detested it or anything, but the company owned my time and my calendar. And so I would have to do things like, you know, two weeks ahead of time, ask my boss for permission to take time off. And we'd have set meetings every day and you just kind of go through the motions and you don't control it. And then throw on top of that, priorities that you don't feel like are a high priority. Like the CEO comes down and says, I want you to do this thing. And we had to put aside projects that actually mattered that were real revenue generation just for optics and, and politics internally. So things like that, that were kind of grading to my soul. Uh, when I went off on my own and all of a sudden had full control of my own calendar and full control of my own priorities that I felt I can actually invest into something that's going to be you know, the best use of my time, that has been incredible for me. Now, during year one, it was really tough because I was wearing all of the hats. I had hired some interns figuring, well, I can't afford a full-time person yet, but maybe if I hire two 20-hour-a-week interns, maybe that's the same as having a 40-hour employee. Spoiler alert, it's not. <laughs> These were students, and so every time midterms or finals came around, they just disappeared, and I was on my own entirely. And plus, I was in the throes of trying to figure out this whole delegation thing. I've never done this before, so you know, what do I pass off to them? And the time that I take to pass it off to them, is it worth it? for me just to do it myself. So things like that. But after I got my first employee, my first full-time employee, after about a year, my life changed and I actually started taking vacations. I've always been what I would consider really cheap. I never spent a dime I didn't have to spend. And that means that I turned down a lot of experiences, things that you know friends and colleagues and, and other people were doing for fun. And I went, Oh no, that costs money. I better not. But now I've, I've changed my life around where I'm actively seeking out experiences, times that I can spend with my family. And we have the, the finances available to be able to do things like that. And it's, it's amazing because I kind of had my eyes closed as an employee, just kind of going in doing the eight to five every day. And now that I don't have those chains around me anymore, it's really fun. And uh, I actually do feel like I have a, a lifestyle and a personality and I can take time off when I need to, to go and pursue things that are going to mean more to me than, you know, just saving up in a bank account. 
Boom. I love that, AJ. That was beautifully said. And that's exactly what we love to promote on this podcast. You know, lifestyle design, that's what it's about. We want to, I feel like you found your niche and you're getting fulfilled at work. And it's almost like you're, you're not even working because you love what you do. This is, this is exactly where you want to be. And, you know, if you can do this, you know, if you can do something for work, that you enjoy. It's one of those things to where you're constantly being fulfilled, whether or not you're at work or you're with your family or you're with your friends, whatever it is that you're doing, you you have that fulfillment around the clock, which I love. So let's get back to, you know, LinkedIn. Let's figure out how we can properly as new, maybe new LinkedIn advertisers and new LinkedIn users, how we can properly use the platform most effectively. Now we've talked about quite a few things already. We've talked about AMO, AMO. We've talked about targeting the right audience, having the right messaging, having the right offer. And this is primarily for, I believe, maybe paid advertising. We've also talked about organic advertising in the sense that we want to be able to figure out how and what best methods are giving us the most shares or giving us the most likes or having us uh, show up in the most people's feeds. And we've talked about quite a few things. We've talked about how to maybe, we've talked about using text and strictly text Uh, as opposed to using text and video, as opposed to using text and picture. And, you know, I want to pull out a few more nuggets in that because when we post, it's one of those things to where there are different, I believe, and I could be wrong, there are different ways to post. Can you post as a company now or are you always going to be able to post under your profile? And that's kind of the only way to do this. Oh, great question. So you can post as a company, but the thing is on on LinkedIn, and this is probably everywhere, but especially uh, apparent on LinkedIn, is that people want to do business with people and not with companies. And so when you share something from your company page, the only people who are going to see it are the ones who are currently following your company page, pretty much. Whereas if I go and share the same thing from my own personal profile, I've got 2,600 plus people who will see it. And So the key is if you want to share from your company page, I would recommend share it first from your company page and then you and your employees and partners and whoever else, if you can go in and then all of you from your personal profiles, reshare what the company shared. And that's going to give your company more, more clout as well as have the message reach the maximum audience. I love that. I love that. And listeners definitely take heed of that because I think that's valuable, valuable advice. And I haven't thought about that. So that's amazing. So closing out the section, AJ, let's kind of talk about maybe some first steps to get started advertising on LinkedIn. Again, we've covered a lot already. So there may be little to note, not much to cover, but I just want to see if we can maybe pull out a few more gems before we move on to the last and final round. So maybe how do we get started advertising on LinkedIn? What should we consider? Great question. I actually created an asset for this for everyone for free because I would get questions like this where someone goes, hey, we can't necessarily afford to have you run our ads for us, but you know, we want to make sure we're started out on the right foot. So if you're in that, uh, that position where you want to start advertising on your own, if you go to our website, b2linked.com, that's the letter B, the number two, and then the word linked.com, forward slash checklist. You can download our free checklist. It's the same checklist we use to onboard new customers. And it's going to be the eight things that you need in order to launch uh, ads on LinkedIn. So go ahead and grab that. And you know, I'm going to ask for your email address, but don't worry if you don't tick that box that says contact me, uh, you'll never hear from me ever again. This is purely a, an effort for me to give value to anyone else who wants to enjoy LinkedIn ads like we have. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? You know, I'm not a big reader. I really liked Daniel Pink's 
drive because that, that was really helpful for me in designing compensation for my team and that kind of thing. But really, I listen to podcasts, uh, listen to all of them at two and a half times speed so I can get in <laughs> as many as I possibly can. So that's what I do is I, I'm just not a great reader. I read really slowly and comprehension's tougher for me, but boy, I can take in audio. And so I just have all of this good advice coming to me, marketing and in other subjects, uh, always being piped into my ear holes. So that's, I, we can go into specific podcasts, but that's kind of what I've got going on. Yeah, I'm definitely going, I'm a big avid podcast listener and I'm sure we listen to some of the same podcasts. So we're definitely going to go into that. But yeah, I love your book recommendation and, you know, I don't typically do this, but I have to put that at the top of my book list. You've intrigued me. So thank you for that recommendation. Drive by Daniel Pink. So what are some of your favorite marketing podcasts? Well, so if we're talking about marketing specifically, there's one called the Linked Informed podcast by a, a chap named Mark Williams out of the UK. And uh, that's for all of my news about LinkedIn. He's where I get all of my news from. So I absolutely love that podcast. Um, I love the Social Media Marketing podcast by Social Media Examiner. They just cover every new area of social media marketing. And that's obviously where I play. And then I also have some interests kind of outside of, of marketing that I listen to podcasts on. I really like cryptocurrency and, and like the blockchain is a really interesting subject for me. So there's a, a podcast uh, called the bad crypto podcast. I really like that one. Uh, and there's also one called the Jordan Harbinger show, formerly art of charm. Jordan Harbinger is a, a great guy who just talks about how to network better, how to build stronger relationships. And so I, I eat that up for personal development. Love it, love it, love it. I've actually heard of Art of Charm before. And I and the, the paid social media marketing, what, uh, that podcast, is it by Michael Stelzner? It sure is, yeah. Okay, yep, yep, yep. So I'm a big fan of him. I haven't listened to that podcast yet, but I definitely need to check that out as well. So all four of those podcasts uh, will be in the show notes of this episode, guys. So definitely visit the show notes. So next question, what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Well, I know we already covered this earlier. It has to be Calendly for me. And like I said, no, no allegiances to Calendly or anything. It's just the app that I chose. But anything where you can make scheduling with you super simple uh, has just been a boon for me. Love it. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? And we may have talked about this earlier while we talked about Calendly, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. It's the the new focus on having experiences and spending, you know, good quality time with family, friends, potential partners. Those are that's something that I hadn't ever experienced before becoming an entrepreneur. And now I'm just loving it. I, I'm excited for every single new day. I love that. And how has your, you know, maybe even, even earlier on, has, has, has everything changed from how your wife and your kids have kind of taken on, you know, your new role as an entrepreneur and, you know, maybe you being around a, a little bit more as far as, you know, activities and things that go on around the house. Like how, how has that whole area of your life transpired since you became an entrepreneur? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just expected when I graduated from college and went to, to a company where I was going to put 50, 60 hours in a week, I just knew that that was kind of my life. I, I wasn't going to be spending a lot of time. And then after I started the company, I work from home and I still do three and a half years later. And we have a team and all of that team is distributed. They're always working from home as well. So they get to spend time with their families. So I feel like not only do I get to know my kids better because I, I get to spend more time around them, but then little things here and there, like my wife saying, hey, I've got to take a 
take a, a sick kid to the doctor, you know, can you be here just to make sure that, that everything's going okay? And and I can do that. Whereas, you know, it would have really disrupted my day in corporate world to have to come home and, you know, play babysitter for a little while. So it really has it's changed everything. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? I knew that, you know, in starting a company that you're going to have all kinds of sacrifices. I mean, you're going to sacrifice a quote unquote steady paycheck. You're going to sacrifice having a big company on your resume that will potentially make you look really good. I knew those things, but I also know that with sacrifice comes bigger upside. And I, I knew that if, if a company was willing to pay me six figures for you know working for them and providing my services, then you know I'm sure those services were worth at least five times that to their bottom line. So I knew my upside was a lot bigger. So yeah, big sacrifice in the quote unquote stability of working for a bigger company, but you do it in exchange for, for the millions later on and the massive upside. BTM Tribe, if a company is willing to pay you six figures and above or whatever it is that you're getting paid, you have to figure that their upside is at least five times as much as that. So your technical expertise, your knowledge, your experiences, I mean, AJ said it best, you, you can take what you've learned and you can create something magical if you truly wanted to. That's what I wanna stress in, in that answer you gave us, AJ, because I think that's super important, that's super invaluable. I know as an accountant, like our billable rate, as opposed to what, what we were actually making per hour, <laughs> I mean, like you said, it's five, 10, even 20 times more uh, what they're billing the client for you know, as opposed to what we're making. I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. So when you put that in perspective and you take your skills, you take the things that you've learned along the years and you try to figure out how you can most benefit from that. I mean, I think there's a lot more options than, than, than what a lot of us give ourselves. So that's amazing advice, AJ. Yeah, that's the difference between going to work every day, living paycheck to paycheck versus wealth creation, right? Exactly, exactly. So that's beautifully said. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? So this one's kind of interesting. It's definitely going to be my dad. And it's interesting because the whole time growing up, he's been so conservative, you know, a, a VP for a bank that, you know, everything is all about security. And I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It's just really financially conservative. But for me to go off on my own and start this company, he's been nothing but supportive. He's always there to, to give me good advice when, when I need it. And even though I know his advice is kind of going to be towards the, the side of, of playing it safe, I've got other friends, other entrepreneurs who are, are much more in the, in the arena of, you know, risk at all. And, and I get really good advice from both sides. So love my dad. Don't know what I would do without him around. Love it. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? I think the standard answer here is fear, but I'll, I'll kind of qualify it a little bit more. I mean, the reason why I didn't want to be an entrepreneur originally is because I was I was afraid. Like the whole steady paycheck, and this is what's going to be uh, safe and comfortable, and and that's kind of the story I was told uh, through high school and college is that's the way to go. But then when I realized that I was just cut loose suddenly without expecting it, and then you know, now I have to go tell my family I don't have a job anymore. It makes you realize that that quote unquote steady paycheck isn't that steady and it's not that free of risk. So I think for me, it was the, the, 
I was kind of blind because I'd never experienced entrepreneurship really. So I didn't know what it was like. And crossing that chasm was really scary. But now that I'm on the other side, I'm telling everyone, wow, this is fantastic. You guys have to check this out. And th this is what's so different. And it's really not all that mo much more risk prone. Of course, there is risk, but the upside is so worth it to me. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Wilcox. AJ, thank you so much for your time, for your valuable input. We've learned so much about your Before the Million story. We learned about your time in corporate America. We've learned about your business for the past three and a half years. I mean, it's been simply phenomenal to walk on your journey. And then you've given us so much LinkedIn advice. I mean, I don't even know where to start. It's all been super amazing. I know how to, how to look for an audience. I know how to provide them with the right messaging. I know how to position my offer. I mean, we know we know how to how to share, we know how to position our message so that it gets shared the most. We know what the benefits are of promoting on LinkedIn as opposed to Facebook and kind of the technicalities of what we need to look out for, such as, you know, less video, less picture, more text, more questions. And it's been simply amazing, AJ. If the listeners kind of want, want to get a hold of you, they want to learn a little bit more about you, where can they find some of that information? Well, DeRay, first of all, thank you for first and foremost for uh, giving me access to be able to share uh, some of my learnings with your audience. I'm, I'm just absolutely flattered by that. And thank you everyone for listening. Um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, there are two really good ways. Number one, if you go to b2length.com, our website, and fill out the contact form, it's not going to a salesperson. It's not going to put you into some you know complex marketing automation workflow where you're getting you know nagged endlessly by emails. It's going to go right to my inbox and I'm not a sales guy. Uh, so I'm more than happy to, to respond and help you out any way I can. Yeah, feel free. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help any of you. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And AJ, thank you so much. And again, we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Deray. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.